Good morning. I'd like to take a moment to turn around to the next person who's sitting right next to you and just tell them what is the one thing you want this Christmas. You ready? The one thing you've asked for, one thing you want. Ready? Go. Wow. I guess, I guess what I've just learned is that you guys are really hoping for a lot here. <laughs> oh, man. I, I hope you get it. You know, I did not hear peace on earth or goodwill to men at all in that little minute. Today we finish our series called Gifted, and my hope is today that you come. Yes, I know you're already here, but my hope is that you come with open hearts. That you come with a spirit ready to receive. That you come with eyes and a mouth that is ready to speak good words. However you are today, whether happy or sad, rich or poor, as Ed said, however diverse we are, my prayer is that you come fully present today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this time of the year where the world is focusing on something that most do not believe. Thank you for giving us the responsibility of being the ones who can tell the world it is true. Thank you for entrusting us with the gift. And I pray, Lord, today that you would encourage us and inspire us of just how valuable that gift really is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is. I love, I love this day, the Sunday around Christmas. I love seeing everybody here together and people are dressed up, parents and kids are matching. I know that right before you walked in the doors, parents, it was probably a nightmare, but you did it. You made it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm there. I know, what, I know what you mean. You know, we get to hear updates around this time of the year. We get to hear updates from our friends and family and see all these Christmas cards. Thank you very much for the Christmas cards, by the way. You guys are great. Um, you know, kids, before Facebook, we had to wait till Christmas to where we got any updates at all from people. You know, we, there's people we didn't know for years that we'd suddenly get a Christmas card from. Wow, I haven't seen them, and wow, look at, look at him. Huh, aren't you glad you married me, honey? That's, that's what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. I'm so sorry. That, I've, just forgive me. I'm going to repent of that right now. <laughs> of course, the other, the other way is, you know, you're sitting in there and you see a guy on television who's representing a president, and that's somebody that my wife used to date, and you're thinking, oh, aren't you glad you married me now? Um, but I love those updates, you know? Those are great updates. The status, you know, usually they come with such a nice photo. Everybody looks so good. But I don't see this really as a true representation of the family. You know, not since the invention of the photo filter. How many of you use photo filters? Come on, be honest. Every one of you in this fourth and... Really, you don't, Paxton? I know what you do. 
the thing I love about these things, and it's, and it's kind of built in now, is that you don't ever have to see the messy parts in our families or our faces ever again. No wrinkles ever again. You don't have to have them. If it's a windy day, you can hide it. You know, you hide the worst parts of yourself so that they'll be a little bit more visually palatable. Were the kids crying right before? It's okay, we can fix that. And now it's funny because we have so much space on our phones that we can just take as many pictures as we want. Back then, we had a budget for our, fi- our film and our photos. We, could, we couldn't just take it, as many as we wanted. We had to get just the right one, and it didn't matter if that was the best. We just had to say that was the best. But now, we have perfection. It might be pretty, but it's not really the whole story. And it's worked so well for our family pics that we take that we use it in our everyday life. You know, normal filters each and every day. It's not just good enough for our families. It has to be something that we use every day. And filters are now more standard and they become a little bit more realistic, uh, unrealistic. And yeah, it's fun, but I wonder if on some level we really don't know, want people to know who we really are. We really don't want people to see us for who we really are, how messy we really are. So we filter out those little things. So only the good show. I mean, who wants to see what our Christmas card would really look like? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I mean, my hope is today that we are reminded that it is because of the reality of our life and our situation, and our circumstances that God has given His most precious gift to us. In fact, the reality of the entrance of God into the world is a little hard to imagine. So, so even in these stories, what we tend to do is we, trend, we tend to put a filter on that too. We tend to to see a reality, and we, we only look at it in a particular way. I'm not saying this is bad. It's just kind of what we do. But my hope is that we see it for what it really was. Because the reality is that Jesus entered into a very dark world. Unwelcoming, unfriendly. And I know we tend to romanticize this image. We imagine this bright star and calm animals. A manger and the, and the hay is just neatly so underneath the baby. We see that in our minds. But as we start removing these filters, what we start seeing is that, we've, is that this, this, this reality that begins to emerge is, is, is a, little, it's a little scary. Here they are in a town of maybe 300 people, Bethlehem. That's not a lot of people. Less than the people we have in this room. And nobody opened their doors to them. No one. There weren't a lot of hotels back then. It was hospitality. I mean, they had some inns, but, but really, if someone came to your door and they were a fellow Israelite, you were hospitable and you welcomed them in, even if it was difficult and a strain on you. That was the custom. That was the culture. How many of you do that today? We barely peek out the door if someone knocks on our door. But that's what happened. Nobody opened their house to them. And they're they're here in Bethlehem not because they had a choice. It's not a fun weekend. They had to go. Remove another filter. You see, Joseph did not want to leave his wife alone. He could have left her back there, but he didn't. She's young. 
Who knows what she's enduring? He brought her with him. It's a family. He has to go with his family. They walked to the city not because they had to. I mean, they wanted to because they had to. And, and, and here they are. I, mean, I guess you can't call ahead to get a room. But she was his wife. He'd made that choice. And that wasn't very nice and tidy either. I mean, he had a dream. Imagine him explaining that to, to anyone else who was curious. I had a dream, and an angel of the Lord told me I needed to marry this girl. And Joseph believed. But how scary was that? Of course, this life has led him to this moment, this place. He's sitting next to this young bride who, who sees her child with with her they're there with their brand new child so far from home and baby's first night was going to be cold and going to be not so clean i mean this is not the reality we want to put on our christmas card i mean imagine their little christmas card if they were to send one doing well but kind of needy homeless for a few days could really use some prayer by the way, Joseph needs a job. We might be here for a while. Don't know how long this census thing's going to last. Oh, and maybe a few more diapers. I mean, we know the rest of the story. We know it from back here or forward looking back. But they were in complete trust that God was going to take care of them. And you know it was, it was supernatural that moment. You know it had to be. But you know something in the back of their minds had to just keep tugging. This is a little scary. Now today, we don't like to share this much reality. Very rarely do we share too much, and it makes us look like we're needy. And no one likes to look needy. But the reality is, is that when we remove the filters from our lives so that people can see the real us, everyone will see that, in fact, we all, are needy. Every single one of us. Shelly and I were talking about this idea of knowing if we've ever really been needy and being desperate for something. And I don't really know if, I know some of us know desperation, but I wonder if many of us really do know desperation. That you have something you need and you cannot get it on your own. Desperate. Have you ever been in that place where your situation was so dire and desperate that you could not do it alone? What, what if in that moment, I mean, you might even be there right now. I know some people who are in that moment. You are, you're right there. And you can't go this way or this way. You're stuck. What if someone were to give you a gift that helped you get out of all of that? You know, we don't give a lot of gifts to people that they need anymore. How many of you, whenever you think about giving gifts to your kids or somebody, do you think, oh, well, they need this. I'll give them this. Shelly and I were talking about this. She says, what about this for the kids? I said, oh, well, that's something they need. We'll give that to them later. We need to give them something they want. You know, she says, let's give, she's like, let's give them socks. No, let's give them something they want. What do they want? They want a $3,600 gaming computer. Maybe we should give them the socks. <laughs> but, but how often do we give someone something that they really need 
these days. It's almost like the gifts that we need aren't that exciting anymore or, or, or good enough or, or, or helpful. I mean, they're helpful, but really not helpful, right? You know what I mean. That is until we realize that our needs are probably more important, far more important than those things that we want. Because when you get to that point when you need forgiveness from someone, what else matters? When you get to that point when you need your marriage to work, what else matters? When you get to that point when you need someone to talk to, what else matters? When you get to that point when you need to know that your life is actually worth something, what else is there? A friend of mine had gotten to a point in his life where he had mounting medical bills. He didn't have a job anymore, and he, he was an impressive person. He lived right in the heart of DFW, and he knew lots of people. He worked with former presidents. He has worked in high city government. I mean, he's hobnobbed with some very influential people. And he lived in a very nice area, had a very nice auto lease, that he could not really get out of easily. And he had what most of us dream about. But in this moment, he was coming to ask for a loan from the church. Because he had, he had gotten to the end of it. All he could do is sell his house and try to get out of some auto lease and have nothing. He was on the verge of a new job. You know those, he was on the verge of a new job. But he'd come to the very end of his resources, and although he did not want to admit it, this high roller was needy. He had no more filters to use. None. And for me, it was at that moment whenever our relationship really began. We saw one another as normal and flawed Man, we were, we were normal and flawed men in a very demanding culture, and we both needed saving. And man, isn't our culture demanding? I don't care where we are. We're in West Texas. We're in a small town of 300. We're in DFW, New York City. It is demanding wherever we are. And since my friend has passed away, he will always be remembered by me as the one who showed me the value of what it means to be real and even when you're facing the most difficult things be willing to be open this is what paul discovered when he went to crete you're like wow how'd you go to crete all the way from here crete is where we're going to be for the next couple minutes turn to titus chapter three titus chapter three in a christmas sermon have you ever heard that before Crete is a society that is highly, highly demanding. It was dangerous culture, and you did what you could to survive. Trust wasn't widespread because lying was part of living. You did what you could to get ahead. You showed a certain side of yourself to everyone else so that you could make your way in the world. And from the stories we hear, you always looked at people with these skeptical eyes. Probably accepting that, okay, they're lying to me. My job is to figure out how much of a lie it is. And the key to being smart was to figure out how, where that little line was there. How much you should even reveal and how much to keep to yourself. So imagine 
living your life as if you're playing poker all the time. I'm sure most of you don't play poker, right? If you are living this life of bluffing and hoarding, folding, bragging, imagine living in this way and everyone else seems to be drawing better cards than you. As our resources start getting lower and lower, our score gets worse and worse. You know, there's a moment when you're probably going to have nothing, nothing, and it's coming. You see it. You work harder. You are trying to bluff more. You're keeping your cool, knowing that the game is about to be over. And all you have got to show is a measly pair of twos. is what it's like in Crete. Do we have any idea of what that's like? I think we're Crete in a lot of ways. People in Crete, they're using so many filters in their lives that they don't really see what reality is anymore. So when Paul walks in, he sees it. A man who has one filter, it seems, and that's Jesus Christ who sees this whole world of people who are, who are living in a way that is just, it's just sad. So imagine walking into a culture where it's glaringly obvious that everyone is needy. And this is not just third world country here, because Paul saw the need in any situation he went in, from the poorest to the most wealthy of those countries. And in Crete, he saw people who needed to know there was nothing that they could do to win their hand. Because you know what? Poker, it's a house game. The house is always going to win. Do it right, do it long enough, the house is going to win because it's rigged. The game is rigged. It's a long game of poker. The house is always going to win. These people are going to need someone to step in for them. They still think they can do it on their own, but they need someone to step in, someone who can take over for them. And Paul is reminding his friend Titus that this is exactly what God did when he sent his most precious gift to us. In verse 4, this is what it says. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of any righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. What do these people need? They need exactly what we need. They need a new life, a new hand. No more filters, this, this, this idea of continual renewal. Isn't that great? Continual renewal. To the washing of rebirth. It's rebirth. Wow. I mean, that sense of being right and clean in the eyes of God. Could we have ever done that on our own? It's salvation. You know, He saved us because we're needy. He didn't save us because of we were good enough or that we did something to earn His favor. He saved us because we need it. What love has He had for us from the very start? To choose to come to a world that didn't even have a room for Him. 
A world filled that, with people that didn't realize just how needy they were. And people who are still needy. And sadly, our culture still doesn't have room for Jesus. We're full of things that no amount of filtering can hide. We are filled with regret and anxiety and shame and fear. And no matter what we show to the world, these these things will always be on us. And we need somebody to be kind to us. We need someone to help us to see ourselves for who we really are. Because it's only then when our relationships can truly begin. Because we are in need And the sooner we realize that and claim that and just admit it, the closer we're going to be to the gift that is Jesus. And Jesus is the gift that we need. It's what Mary needed. It's what Joseph needed. It's what Herod needed, even though he didn't think he needed much of anything. It's what the apostles needed. It's the gift that Paul needed. It's the people of Crete. It's what they needed. It's a gift that you need. It's the gift that I need. And when we begin to remove all the filters that we've placed on ourselves, those things that separate us from the, from the way other people see us, we'll realize that it's the only gift we could ever, ever need. It's a gift that we desperately need. Need And I say if you are struggling with those things, it's a gift that you desperately want. Because who doesn't want freedom? I mean, how many of us need, crave, desperate for freedom from fear and regret and addiction? Freedom from saying the things that get us into trouble. Freedom from doing our own thing whenever we should be doing something for someone else. Freedom from, from just anger. We want to know that we're loved and we're adored and we're worth dying for. We want to know that we can make our life matter no matter what. And, and we want our life to mean something. We want to know that we can make our marriages work. We want to know that no matter how bad we mess things up, that someone is still willing to love us, to help make things right in the long run. And we want to believe that when we show others our very true, all caps, self that they will still love us, even if they really know us. The truth is, every single one of you is favored by God. Every single one of you. Favored. So God sent His Son to you as the gift we most desperately need. And as the gift that deep down, when we start taking all these filters away, we realize that is the gift that we desperately want. And back in Luke chapter 1, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua. It means deliverer. It means Savior. God has given you deliverance from all those things that you wear. All those things that you are holding on to. He's given you deliverance 
This is the gift of God that we all need. His love brought him here so that we could see ourselves as he sees us, without any filters at all, as people who are desperately loved, people who are loved so much that he chose to come to our dark and dangerous world and spend his very first night in the cold and in the dark so he could show us the way home. He did that for you. And this is why we celebrate this season This is why we celebrate. When we remove all those other filters from this holiday, we realize this is not a holiday that's also about Jesus. This is about Jesus. It's the gift of Jesus. Yeshua, the Deliverer, the Savior of the world, He's going to rescue us from this demanding world and He can help us rescue others who need deliverance just as badly as you do. People who are helpless all around you. Oh, they put on a good show, they have a nice Christmas card, but they are helpless. But we've got the gift that they need. Because it's been given to us. So I encourage you this morning. And as you move into this week together, to remember to accept the gift that God has given you. Don't dismiss it. Embrace it. Be fully present with it. And come and receive it as yourself. Not, not as, as, as who you want the world to see. Receive it as you really are. Show your whole self to God and to His people as you really are. And let your relationship truly begin. That's the gift of God. We have nothing to worry and to fear for anymore because the gift has come. Hope, redemption, joy, salvation. Four things we could never, ever do on our own. It has been given to us through Jesus Christ, Yeshua, our Savior and our Deliverer. I'll be here with my wife to pray if you need me. Our elders will be around. Please take a moment and pray with them. Come as you are. Leave as God wants you to be. In Jesus' name, let's pray. God, thank you for this, and we ask that you would hear our song. In Jesus' name, amen.